Welcome to episode 324 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. On today's episode, I had a wonderful time speaking with Australian landscape photographer, Ricardo Takuna. Ricardo has been a longtime supporter of the podcast on Patreon, and he's been on my list of people to reach out to for many, many years. I was so thankful that he agreed to join me on the show to share his story with us. I highly encourage you to stick around to the very end because Ricardo provides some really great advice that will help you become a better photographer. Before we get rolling, I wanted to remind listeners that we have officially opened submissions for year three of the Natural Landscape Photography Awards. Just go to naturallandscapeawards.com to participate in the world's best nature and landscape photography competition that exists, in my opinion. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Okay, let's get to this week's episode with Ricardo Takuna. All right, Ricardo Takuna, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate uh, the kind invitation. It's uh, a real honor and privilege to be invited as a guest. Yeah, of course. I I always enjoy recording with uh, people in Australia because... The time difference always makes my head spin. Like you're literally in another day. Yep. Um, yeah. Someone's told me that when the world ends, uh, New Zealanders and Australians will be the first two were perished. <laughs> that's one way to see it. Yeah. Or you get to celebrate the new year first, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ricardo, for people that aren't familiar with you and your photography, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I was originally born in Portugal and I immigrated to Australia at the age of three and uh, so I I grew up in Australia and I got to an age uh, where I got really itchy feet and I wanted to really discover uh, my adopted homeland Australia and I was really fascinated about about sharing uh, my adopted country with my family in Portugal. And I began to collect calendars and postcards, and I started sending them back to Portugal of all these amazing places in Australia, places that I it was very foreign to me growing up in a, a city in Melbourne, where I am uh, today. And I started yeah sh- sharing these uh, places in Australia, uh, and. I eventually started to get into photography that way because I really want, I long to see these places for myself. Uh, And so that's how uh, I guess the curiosity and the sense of adventure began with discovering the the natural world and uh, and picking up a camera. But uh, just before I do obviously dive into that, uh, so yeah, grew up in Australia. I work i do not work uh full-time in photography photography is a hobby a serious hobby but i work my work is in the animal welfare industry today and where i work in the it uh, area in the uh in that industry uh i am i'm 40 years old i am single uh with a dog and i uh yeah i'm I I feel like uh, I have a very full life where I know what I, between photography and trail running, I'm very blessed to have a great social network around me as well. Um, yeah, life is good, Matt, and I uh, have been a, making more of a conscious effort to pick up the camera of recent times. There was a bit of a lull there for the last few years, but uh, I've really um, made the conscious efforts to get back into it uh, this year, and so picking up photography. As I got more and more into photography, I uh, decided that I would move to the other side of the country. And so for anyone who might be, I guess, aware of the geography of of Australia, I live in Melbourne, which is in the far southeast corner of Australia. And I decided that I really just wanted to see something completely different. And so I moved to Western Australia uh, on the other side of the country, which is 3,600 kilometers away. Um, not sure what that is in miles. I 
experienced five incredible years uh, living on the west side of the country and I bought myself a camper van and it was virtually almost every weekend um, when I was living in Western Australia that I went traveling uh, with camera in tow and I was really blessed to uh, discover a lot of Western Australia and and that's where photography really started to get I started to get more serious about photography and it was all I credit it to uh, a guest that you've had on the show before, Christian Fletcher. He's, he's got an incredible gallery in the southwest corner of uh, Western Australia. And I, I remember just being so blown away and fascinated by um, visiting his gallery. And really, he really inspired me uh, a great deal. And I, so much so, Matt, that at the time, can you believe, I was... Uh, using, I'll put it in, uh, in a, I guess, US speak, uh, using uh, a Canon PowerShot 65 point-and-shoot camera, right. which in Australian dollars was about $400 at the time. Uh, I then, reading through Christian Fletcher's books, I realised that he was using a Canon 1DS Mark II, the flagship digital SLR camera by Canon at that time. This is, this is going back to 2007, 2008. So uh, yeah, I've been at it for a few years now, and I just I just thought, well, if I if I need to uh, if I need to, if I'm going to take this seriously, I really need to have um, the tools that uh, Christian is using. So I went out and I jumped from a $400 point and shoot camera to a Canon 1DS Mark III, which had just been released. This was early 2008, and that cost $11,500 for just the body. So at the time, I remember that camera was worth more than double what the value of my car. So I, yeah, it was an incredible jump. And, but I, I knew that it was, a st I was making a statement where I really wanted to take this seriously. I think soon after that, the, uh, the Canon 5D Mark, 5D Mark II came out, uh, which had similar specs for a fraction of the price. I think it was three, three and a half thousand dollars, and I think I almost cried. Uh, yeah, but it, 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 it certainly sent a clear signal to me that I really love this and I really wanted to make a go of it. And, uh, and so began the obsession, uh, which started in 2008, and I was just really just threw myself into traveling solo in the camper van and just discovering as much as I could of Western Australia and making images, uh, not so good images, uh, but I, I, I was just starting out and finding my voice in photography. And, uh, and yeah, that was all those years ago. And uh, since then I've evolved and my photography has changed as I have. Yeah, I was going to say like how, what path did your photography take you on in terms of kind of what you were originally interested in and what your style was to where you are now. So I was back in between the years of 2008 through to 2012. I, I really believe that I, was, I wasn't contributing anything new or different uh, in the landscape photography space. I, I thought that I was just really emulating the images of those that inspired me and uh, I was essentially not offering anything that more importantly not so much new but I wasn't offering anything of me I, I wasn't infusing me and trying to uniquely I guess reflect in my images how I perceive the world because we're all unique individuals and we all perceive the world differently and I wasn't making that connection I wasn't infusing that into my work and there was a, a photographer at the time, his name's Steve Coleman, and he really, uh, he really offered me a lot of food for thought at the time. And he said that he, he was very honest and he thought my images were just, um, you know, they were just adding to the, the monogamy, monogamy of uh, images that were out there. And, you know, it was all just something that he's seen before. And, uh, and I really took that away and, and I really allowed that, uh, those words to really sit with me and allow me to really, I received them openly and, um, and thanks to Steve at the time, he really sent me on a, I guess, a trajectory to try and 
try and work out how I can put inject more of myself in my work. And that's when I began to create images that were more more aligned or I felt more aligned to me. And and so I started to I guess be more self aware about why I was when I was out in the uh, environment, why, what attracted me to uh, photograph a particular scene. And, and it dawned on me, Matt. And so uh, I really had that, that moment of clarity where uh, for as long as I can recall, I've, uh, you know, I've had some sort of uh, anxiety that I've been managing, uh, where at times I can feel quite overwhelmed, um, you know, the noises and distractions of our of our uh, of our world and i have always longed to just try and simplify things and to try and uh, escape that 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 the chaos the noise and the distractions and i always just try and simplify everything in my life in my work in my professional life and in my home life everything i try and simplify and it dawned on me that well that's what i needed to try and bring that into my work and of course, uh, the concept of minimalism is nothing new. It's been around for, if not decades, uh, hundreds of years, uh, hundreds of years at least. Uh, but I wanted to at least uh, started to create images that were more simple because ultimately I asked myself an important question. That was, why am I? Go- why do I do this? Uh, and, you know, more than just trying to create. Uh, trying to create something that aesthetically looked good and did justice to what was in front of my camera at the time, I asked myself, what, what is it? Uh, why is it that I go away on the weekends and I immerse myself in nature? And the answer was that it was a form of escape for me. It was a, a release valve and an outlet that I was using because at the time uh, I was quite, quite stressed in my professional life um, and I felt quite often I felt quite overwhelmed and I was using uh, landscape photography as an outlet to restore the balance. I liken it to a form of meditation as a bit of a reset. And so I would go out into nature and seek that solitude, space and stillness. And every time I would, it would leave me feeling uh, more calm and I had, uh, it allowed me to uh, be present in the moment and I and it was really powerful for my mental health, and uh, and every time I did go out into nature, I was trying to just seek space, essentially. And so I began to more consciously uh, bring that into my work and uh, elements of space, stillness, calm, calmness, and really actively trying to imbue this and weave it into my work. Uh, where ultimately I wanted to create images that reflect what I sought out in the world, and that was calmness and 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 space, and to try and then evoke those same values and feelings in the viewer. Where I'm, I was hoping to allow my images to evoke similar qualities, where they people can feel more at ease and calmer by looking at my images, and so so began uh, a number of years where I was creating more intentional work that was more aligned to you know, the, the, the minimalistic um, style. But then I did, then my, my work changed again and evolved from there. I had we'll come a, back to that. Yeah, I had a follow-up for you based on what you had just said, because I'm, I'm always curious about this particular question, especially for someone who's kind of gone through this process. So I'm curious for you, like, why is it, why is it important at all that you create images that have been infused with part of you and what is your process for doing that? Well, ultimately, they images that I believe portray me and where I can see myself in the images, they leave me feeling far more satisfied and fulfilled that I've created an image that, at least to my eyes, is authentic to me and something that has come within and it's not just something that I've been inspired by that I've seen and I've tried to emulate because that uh, that's it doesn't leave me satisfied it it leaves me feeling shallow Uh, there's that empty feeling and so 
when I'm actively creating images that are personally aligned to me and reflect who I am, then it leaves me feel that the whole process is far more rewarding and satisfying. There's a quote that I'm not sure who the author of is, but it might be Minor White. And it goes a little bit like this, all photographs are self-portraits. And I really love that. In fact, I have a, a collection of quotes on my website, uh, which uh, I've collected over many years, at least over the past decade. There's only about 40 of them, but they're quotes that have really stood, uh, stood they've stuck with me and they really resonated and provide a lot of food for thought. And it, and. I definitely credit these quotes to helping shape my work and 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 helping to I guess um, provide direction for my path. It's interesting because um, you said you you know your your work keeps evolving and I'm curious for a while now through these evolutions there's been a piece of you that's been instilled into the photography um, are you? What do you think about your images? Like your minimalist images, do you do they still resonate with you, or do you, or is it like a reminder of kind of what you were going through at that time, or what is it? How do you relate to your older work? When I look back at my older work, it, it I'm reminded by that period in my life and the stress and the the high states of anxiety and feeling overwhelmed. And, and I look back on that work and I think, all right, I can see why I was creating that work because it was, to me, it was, I was, I really needed to create that work as a, as a form of restoring the balance. And I was out seeking stillness and space and away from the noise and the distractions. Uh, these days I've, uh, my anxiety is much much better and much better managed and and for that reason my work has uh, shifted again because as my life has changed and I've changed as um, I've, I've matured uh, so too as my work and and I know that we will get back to this a little bit later but I feel like these days I'm more um, I have a greater I guess longing to create images that share stories and communicate messages almost uh, because I feel like I have an obligation to try and use my craft to tell messages that of subjects that I'm deeply passionate about and that I can't uh, articulate in words um, I'm not very good I'm not I don't like to think I don't think myself as a very opinionated person and so um, there are subjects that I'm deeply passionate about, but I, I, I perhaps lack that confidence to share it in the public forum. And so I've seen, I've seen it that it's an obligation of mine to use my craft to then actually share messages, personal messages uh, or messages uh, of subjects or of topics that I'm deeply passionate about. And um, these days I try to, as much as possible, try and weave a narrative into my images which is incredibly difficult and I'm still learning. Uh, but I find that when you are able to weave a narrative into your images, that's when I feel most satisfied with my work. It's, it's so rewarding when yes. you, somewhat, you, you produce an image and it speaks to people and it delivers the intended message and it's very, very satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a good segue for another question I had for you because you had early on mentioned that one of your true passions and kind of what you're involved what you're involved with through your job is animal welfare, and I'm curious how that intersects with your passion for photography and are you using your photography to kind of share some of the messages or thoughts you have around that particular issue? Thank you. Uh, it's a great question, uh, and it's something that has um, yeah, been with me uh, and has allow, allowing to marinate in the background uh, for the last few years. And that is that, well, my passion is animal welfare and uh, um, my craft is photography. Well, it's only natural that I would bring the two together and, and marry the two. And I've been quietly just working on something in the background a project called The Voiceless 
and uh, trying to uh, yeah, use my skills as a photographer to try and create greater awareness for, for, for causes that uh, I'm deeply passionate about. Because again, I can't put, I can't put that in words. Uh, or at least I, I, I don't know how to articulate that, I guess, the messages that I'm a, aiming to convey and communicate through this body of work. And I have been working on that quietly uh, uh, in the background. And it's been a natural progression uh, where the two would eventually marry up. Nice. So what's, what's your approach for doing that? I mean, like, I, I can only imagine that you know, you're using metaphors and symbolism and things like that, but I'm curious kind of what are some of the techniques you're using to bring the two together? Absolutely. So uh, with this body of work that I'm producing, I'm using composite work um, where essentially, I'll give you an example, where there might be essentially, uh, and if I can just talk about perhaps industrialized meat production process like factory farming and just trying to bring greater awareness uh, to try and giving these animals a greater quality of life and you know one of the techniques I'm using is uh, again very simple trying to uh, I guess infuse a great deal of symbolism in this work and that is I'm overlaying a barcode on these black cows as if to suggest that well they're nothing more than just stock they're a commodity and they're not seen for the thinking, uh, feeling creatures that they are, and they, where they have the capacity to suffer, and uh, and I'm hoping to try and create greater awareness that hey, let's give these animals a, 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 a better quality of life uh, before we um, yeah, because at the moment, obviously, with the industrialization of the meat production, uh, some of these animals really uh, don't endure a, a great existence, and so uh, hopefully, if if more people are aware of this, then hopefully they can make uh, di different decisions, uh, purchasing decisions, which can then lead to better outcomes for them. So that's just one example. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. No, that's great. So switching gears a little bit, I'm curious what role uh, landscape photography plays in your day-to-day -day life, uh, or in other words, why do it? Yeah. So I use it as a tool. Uh, when and I call upon it when I need it uh, so whenever I'm feeling like you know what I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed there's just a lot going on there's uh, I'm feeling like I'm getting pulled um, from all sorts of different directions and I really just need some stillness in my life that's when I will just turn off the phone and turn off distractions and really just immerse myself in the photographic process and so it's it, gives, it provides a great sense of mindfulness for me where I'm sure you would agree, Matt, where you can just throw yourself behind the computer with some music and you just lose yourself for three or four hours where just time becomes irrelevant. You, you're so engrossed in what you're doing that you're so present in the moment and you're not thinking about anything in the past, any, uh, regrets in the past or you're not thinking about anything in the future, worries, that uh, things that you have to do. You just you're present in the moment and I find that it acts as a reset for me and after that I'm, I feel so much more at ease and it gives me this deep level of inner peace afterwards and so I use that as a tool in my day-to-day -day life and I call upon it when I need it and mm. so if I'm if I'm out producing uh, work and I'm being you know you might see a few images uh, being, uh, coming from me it's usually a sign that, oh, you know what, I'm struggling with something, I'm battling with something, and I'm and I'm actively producing more work as a result. Um, I, I think I've heard that great art typically comes from, um, I guess, hardship or adversity in our life. And uh, you know, going back to some of the painters, um, certainly some of our, uh, I guess, more, uh, I guess, more prominent painters have created work through dark uh, art through dark times. Uh, so I, I use it as a, as a, yeah, as a tool, as a, I guess, a coping mechanism or, almost. And same thing uh, when I go out into nature. Uh, when I go out into nature, I, I have that stillness that I long for, uh, that sense of space and connection to the natural world. 
uh, I'm hearing the truth rustling in the wind. I'm, li I'm, I'm listening to uh, the songs of the birds early in the morning, uh, seeing animals, and it is deeply nourishing for the soul. And I just feel at my happiest when I'm out there on my own and just connecting to the natural world. And uh, and so yeah, I, I I use them as tools, and I guess it's for those reasons particularly about that connection to the natural world that drew me to landscape photography in the first place. But I can feel that I can enjoy that flow state and that almost zen-like um, state of mind in post-production as well. What kind of music do you listen to when you're editing? <laughs> I'm a bit of a tragic, I love listening to, uh, um, well, it's, if it's not Sigur Ross, which really takes me places, uh, I really love uh, their music where it just starts off very slow and, and builds and builds and it's all out very heavy. Uh, but yeah, I easy listening, uh, some uh, house music at times. Uh, I also like, uh, oh, there's so many different artists that I could reel off, but I feel like Sigur Ross uh, has, has de de deeply impacted my work and, and it just takes me play, their music just takes me places. And I find that depending on what I'm listening to, that can very much impact the post-production and where I take that image. Yeah, I was going to ask that because I typically don't listen to music when I'm editing. For whatever reason, I just, I don't, it's not really even a conscious decision. I just, just edit like in the silence, which is, I don't know, that's almost weirder if you think about it. <laughs> no, not at all. I, everyone's got their different approach and that's what makes it really fascinating. And perhaps uh, you might argue that you're focusing all your senses on the task at hand uh, whereas if you listen to music then almost like having the TV on in the background you're uh, getting distracted and you're, you're not fully fully um, immersing yourself in the creative process so I, I, I don't always listen to music um, there are times there where I, I don't and uh, of, of more recent times if I'm honest I'll listen to a podcast um, you know, it's, something like uh, your podcast or uh or true crime <laughs> of course <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um so i just i i just lose myself in just the editing stage and um and it, i always always leaves me feeling so much calmer cool well so i want to get back to how you were talking about how the direction your work has gone and kind of the goal that you've set for your work to be more personal and also um, kind of create more meaningful messages. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about kind of your process or kind of how someone else might try to start thinking about cultivating more meaningful messages through our photography. As a landscape photographer, it's very difficult. I at least I personally find to try and weave narrative into our images. Um, it's, it's a huge challenge uh, and uh, certainly something that really allows you to try and weave a uh, greater narrative is composite, uh, composite photography, which is not, um, you know, not to everyone's liking and not everyone's cup of tea, which I totally respect. Um, so certainly that's, a, I guess, a shortcut um, to try and uh, to try and weave greater narrative into your work, but certainly uh, in a I guess a, in a single capture, there's still lots of opportunity to try and weave narrative. And so, look, if I'm really wanting to communicate uh, a feeling, uh, uh, a mess, communicate a message uh, that I'm wishing to tell or a story, then the first thing I would ask myself is, what do I care about? You know, what is important to me? Might be something that's topical, like climate change, and you're trying to uh, create a, an image that is communicating uh, our current demise uh, and really sending that, I guess, a very clear message that, hey, this is something that we need to talk about. So. Once you know what it is that's important to you and, and what it is that you want to communicate, then you can make a, a number of choices that can help you communicate this. So you can try and 
deliberately choose a scene that's going to create the atmosphere or the mood to help convey your message. Uh, you can choose um, objects uh, that help to become a symbol um, for your message. For example, if you're, if you're wanting to communicate a message of peace, white doves, you can then use colours as well, you know, the whole uh, colour theory where, uh, for example, red can mean passion or anger, blue can mean sadness or serenity, white means innocence. Uh, so yeah, through colour theory, um, the scenes that you select, the subjects that you photograph, all those choices that are at hand at you, and all can be done within single capture, of course, they're all choice, uh, considered choices, I like to call them, and you're very conscious uh, about making these choices. And together, they can help you um, more effectively communicate your intended message. I'll give you an example. Uh, there, was a, there was a time where I was particularly uh, finding it very challenging in my professional life, where I felt like there was, a, and also in my personal life, where I was almost feeling suffocated. And so I, I was really, um, I guess, conscious about this feeling and I, I keep a little journal and any ideas that come to me, I try and just write them down as soon as I can before they leave my mind forever. And I, I just jotted down this feeling and I was really inspired to then create an image that helped to try and encapsulate this feeling or communicate this message. And so I tried to work with what I had and I ultimately created an image where uh, a man, my colleague at the time, he was getting buried in um, branches. Essentially all these branches were encroaching on his space and or branches were coming from all different directions and he was almost like he was just choking and and the uh, i guess the title that i gave that uh, image was consumed and uh and so you know that's one example where you can use elements um to try and help communicate this uh, story uh, or intended message but i i get that that's not for everyone that you know, m most of the uh, people that I know in landscape photography community, they're just out to try and create amazing images, uh, aesthetically pleasing images that uh, showcase our natural world in the best possible light. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, uh, I've gone, I guess, a little bit beyond that where that doesn't, that doesn't fulfill me anymore, doesn't satisfy me anymore. And I'm wanting to try and create images that more images at least, not every image that I produce has narrative, but more images that do say something, or at the very least uh, are a reflection of me and say something about me. Cool. Well, along those same lines, I'm curious what role the development of guiding principles has played in your um, development as an artist and a photographer. I first uh, saw these guiding principles by another photographer in the UK, uh, his name just eludes me um, at the moment, but that was uh, the first time I've seen a photographer uh, with some guiding principles. And I thought I was making a very intentional statement about what they stand for and what they're actively trying to, uh, I guess what their goals are, their photographic goals are. And, and I thought, you know what, I want to, uh, I want to bring that into uh, my work and to help provide direction and guidance and I think that's what these guiding principles do is they provide direction for my work. They help to act, uh, serve as reminders for me in what's important for me when I'm out creating. And like a beacon, they help illuminate my path and provide that uh, guidance. And perhaps I could just um, yeah, tell you what my uh, guiding principles are. And Yeah, I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So for me, uh, my guiding principles are, and in no particular order, to be an acute observer. And I'll unpack that. So to, to be an acute observer to me means throwing myself out into the environment with no preconceived expectations or pre-visualizations. I used to do a lot of that where I, I'll pre-visualize a scene, do a lot of, I used to do a lot of work 
uh, on, uh, on, on the net to try and search for the potential photographic op opportunities that may be present in a location that I'm visiting. And I would think, and I think now that was just really influencing the images that I went on to create. And one thing that it did for me is it, it gave me the blinkies and I would be so hell bent on photographing, you know, the, the trophies, the, you know, the big iconic, um, you know, the, the icons of that area that I would shut myself off to all the photographic opportunities that were presenting to me on the way. And uh, because I was just so hell bent on making sure I was there at the right time. And so these days I try and approach the landscape with an open mind, with no expectations and just react to the natural world and, and allow it to talk to me. And so if I'm, if I'm, if I visit a new location and I'm on the trail, uh, rather than be so focused on getting to the other, uh, to the end of the trail, I'm constantly looking and just, and just uh, being observant to anything that, uh, that is talking to me in the environment. And since I've been more mindful of that, I've noticed that I've created more images uh, that are at least more authentic to me, at least uh, images that perhaps I haven't seen. And so that's been a really uh, big thing for me, just to approach the landscape with an open mind and be observant and react to uh, and allow it to talk to you. I'm exactly the same way. I I transitioned away from, you know, only like you have this one photograph in your head and then you hike to that spot and hopefully the light's good and you capture it and then you go home. Um, that was... And, you know, I still I still do a little bit of that just because it can be really fun. But I'm also very observant of everything that's on the way as well. So, yeah. No, we definitely share that in common. You know, too many times I would look at these amazing images online and I would you know, be hell-bent on trying to emulate that. And every single time I, d I was just left feeling disappointed because... I couldn't produce images that were as, as good as what I'd seen. And every time it left me feeling disappointed. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, the, these days I, I approach the landscape with knowing that the photos for me are a bonus. Uh, for me, it's all about that time in nature. That's uh, the experience comes first and foremost for me. And, and uh, now that I'm more mindful of that, I never leave the environment uh, disappointed uh, because for me I'm enriched and nourished by that time out in nature and if I happen to get a photograph that I like well that's just a bonus but of course that's uh, easy and said uh, for someone who doesn't do it professionally sure so the next one I have is just shooting from the heart I oh gee I, uh, I was very meticulous back in the day where I would read all these uh, photography magazines and books and articles online and I would create a register of, and I'd group it into composition, lighting, uh, all, uh, all the all the different, I guess, categories uh, around landscape photography. And then before I would enter a, a new landscape, I would read uh, the night before all the compositional tips and all the guidelines um, that I should be doing, all the different, you know, um, quote unquote rules. And I just found like I wasn't creating images that that uh, were coming from the inside. I was just trying to conform to a template or a right. formula. You're just following a recipe. Correct. Yeah, I was just following a recipe and there was no, and I, I wasn't really um, bringing me, uh, anything of me to it. And so these days I just close the book on all that and I just shoot what uh, resonates with me and what speaks to me and just shooting from my heart. Uh, the next one I have is I try to infuse myself within my work, whether that be creating images that are very simple and calm and I guess very soothing. Uh, uh, and, you know, that, that obviously uh, the bit about me that's in that work is that I actively seek out that in my work. Uh, uh, well, yeah, out in nature, I seek out space, I seek out solitude, I seek out peace and calm. Mm -hmm. And so... In my minimalistic style work, you see that of me. Uh, but in my other work, um, 
perhaps images that have more narrative, you start to see a, a bit of myself in that work where perhaps things that I'm going through, emotions that I'm feeling, that I'm wishing to uh, communicate that. Uh, and so I do try to infuse myself within my work. I'm learning, it's very difficult, but it's, uh, it's challenging and rewarding at the same time. The last two are creating for myself. So I'm lucky, I won't say lucky, that's, a, 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 that's not a, a, a well thought out word, but I'm in a position where I don't rely on photography as an income. And so I could just go out there and just create images to please myself. And so I do try and just create images for myself. Of course, when I share an image online and it re if it resonates with someone else, then that, I, uh, that is a very nice feeling and I'm very appreciative of that and I do value that greatly. But if it doesn't, then I'm okay with that because I know that I'm, I'm out there to try and create work for myself. And the last one is I do my best to try and strive for authenticity. Uh, if anyone is ever interested in looking at my images on my website, I actively, I'd like to think that I don't have a lot of images, very few images of the icons, the trophies images. Uh, even here in the state of Victoria where I live, uh, there's a number of icons, but I don't think, I, I might only have two images of them. Uh, I, I just don't, I try and, I'm too busy responding to what's on the way to those icons and photographing that. Mm -hmm. Photographing something that I haven't seen before. Uh, and so these are just guiding principles, not to say that uh, I'm, I'm doing that every single time, but this is what I'm striving for and this is what I'm aiming to do at least. I love that. And you mentioned authenticity. What, what does that word mean to you and in, in your work? Authenticity to me is creating images that have come from within. Got it. Something. Okay. Yep. Cool. And then, so first of all, I'm going to probably just have to steal your principles because they all resonate with me a lot. So thanks for writing those out. But for okay. people that don't want to copy you, I'm curious if you have any advice for anyone wanting to do the same. Like what is a, a good process for developing your own guiding principles? I think it's all about becoming more self-aware and just making the time to just sit down with a, a coffee or a tea and just jotting down uh, the things that make you unique and different. Uh, so uh, you know, um, what are your core values, identifying that, and then sitting down and trying to then infuse and bring them into your work and setting up, setting these guiding principles as goals. Um, there's an amazing ebook by Bruce Percy called Self-Awareness. That one certainly helped me in this, I guess, this journey, um, for lack of a better word. And so th that ebook certainly helped me. I purchased a lot of Bruce Percy's uh, ebooks um, many years ago. And so they've certainly had an impact on creating work um, that's more, that comes from within. And, uh, and so that process of just becoming more self-aware and trying to identify the things that make you unique and an individual and identifying your values and then trying to weave them back into your work. I love it. All right. Well, let's completely change topics. Uh, one thing that I've noticed about Australia is it seems like you guys have a really tight knit community of landscape photographers. Like every time I ask, Anyone from Australia, who do you recommend? You all give me the same names. <laughs> like you all just know each other really well. So I'm curious, how, how did that come to happen? What has been the magic ingredient for the camaraderie that exists over there? I feel like that certainly used to be more of a case perhaps 10 years ago than these days. These days, uh, there's so many incredible photographers that I'm seeing emerging online uh, new kids that are just really progressing so quickly and and I, and I'm not uh, I guess I don't I, I don't have any um, relationships with those guys uh, but certainly uh, I feel like there's a great sense of camaraderie respect mutual respect amongst the landscape photography community here uh, look first and foremost we're a tenth of the pop or at less than a tenth of the population of the US and so for, 
you know, so we're, we're a smaller community first and foremost. Uh, and there's just, I guess, a number of groups. For example, one group uh, that's based in Sydney, the Focus Group, uh, that's been a huge, uh, huge uh, magnet uh, to pull a lot of photographers into that community. And I feel like, uh, the, at least the, the Australian landscape photography community, are very encouraging and supportive. And so if anyone, you know, they're sharing perhaps an accolade or some success that they had online, uh, they they typically receive a wave of support and, um, and you know acknowledgement, uh, and I, I personally have never had a bad experience with any other photographer in in the Australian uh, landscape photography community, uh, and yeah, I guess I've been lucky as well that I've been invo uh, involved in a couple of collaborations, and so that further um, I guess create you know uh, I guess creates enriches those circles that I'm. Um, I mean, uh, for example, you had Les Walkling on uh, recently, and I know Les Walkling. I've done perhaps four uh, courses with him, and and he's got his own collaboration with um, Christian Fletcher, Tony Hewitt, and Peter Eastway, Michael Fletcher, uh, and but we we all know each other, and they support us, and we support those guys because uh, and it's just this beautiful mutual respect that we all have for one another. I feel like landscape photography is a beautiful thing and for, for most of us it's an outlet and it's where we go to escape and the last thing we want to do is escape and find uh, I guess adversity in it. Yeah well you, you mentioned collaborations I'm curious what role uh, have collaborations played in your career as a photographer? First and foremost they've been enormous to my personal or photographic uh, growth and development because it, they create a, a forum where you can receive very honest critique and feedback about your images, where you can just bounce off ideas and, and they create a, a safe place for you to share your work where you always receive uh, constructive criticism uh, and that's been huge for me. And also just seeing the other photographers and how they work in the environment, it's been hugely inspiring for me. Uh, and has really uh, expanded my mind and perhaps my own approach. Uh, and perhaps more importantly, they've allowed, uh, collaborations allow you to take on larger scale projects that otherwise wouldn't be possible on your own because you're allow, it allows you to pull your resources, your time, your skills and your money, and you pull those resources together and allows you to take on projects uh, and I really believe that the synergies occur as well, where the sum of all parts is greater than the uh, than the amount of them. And yeah, I've had nothing but pleasant experiences in the collaborations that I've been involved in. One that has uh, you know, been around for a few years now, and one of them that's just starting out. Um, and I can talk about them if you like. Yeah, yeah, totally. Sure. So one. Uh, collaboration that I'm involved in is the Light Collective uh, and that has a few photographers in it. I'm not sure if uh, maybe one or two names might be uh, familiar to you. Uh, there is Adam Williams, Paul Holan, Ignacio Palacios, Luke Austin and myself and we have a couple of guests, uh, one of them that you've just recently interviewed, Matt Palmer and another one Luke Sharkey and so uh, that that's been an initiative that began in 2014 and since then we've gone on to create uh, two projects uh, and what has underpinned all of our projects is trying to raise greater awareness for vulnerable wilderness areas here in Australia. So our last project was on the Great Barrier Reef and we collectively throw our resources together and we try to create an exhibition that travels around the country and we ultimately produce a coffee table book as well. And so you're talking about how, uh, I guess, how close our community here is in Australia. So for, to make that project possible, we did a crowdfunding campaign. And in very, very quickly, we were able to uh, raise the funds that were needed to make that book project possible. And I would say, it was, I would say it was very close to 100% of the, fund, the people who funded that were all photographers. 
Right. So they're getting behind these projects. They're supporting other landscape photographers. And that is just, uh, I think, a really deeply beautiful thing. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we uh, created a project on the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, and we've also done one on uh, the, big, the largest lake here in Australia. It's called uh, Lake Eyre, which is the, I guess, the colonised European name, but uh, the indigenous uh, name is Katipanda. And so that was our first project and our last project, which unfortunately uh, COVID threw a curveball because it, ha it was happening right as it started to take off in March 2020, was on the Tarkine rainforest, which is a, a huge uh, old growth uh, rainforest in the northeast, sorry, northwest of Tasmania that is right in the spotlight uh, because it's open to all these logging leases. Uh, and so, you know, it's really um, topical at the moment. And so naturally we feel an obligation to use our, I guess, our reach, our craft, our skills to help uh, the plight of these wilderness areas. I love it. So it's interesting, a lot of nature photographers and landscape photographers consider themselves to be incredibly introverted and shy. So I'm curious, like, what advice would you have for other people who are perhaps wanting more collaborations or maybe, you know, they're, they're, they're hearing you talk about your collaborations are like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. How do I do that? So what advice do you have for those people? You know what? The fact that you work in a collaboration allows you to complement one another. So, for example... If you're introverted and you're shy and you, you just don't see how you could, I guess, uh, partake in a, in a collaboration, well, guess what? There, no doubt there would be someone who can fulfill that role. For example, in the Light Collective, Paul Holan, he does pretty much all of our public speaking and he's absolutely amazing at it. He's very eloquent and he handles all that. And the, the more introverted types, they're behind the scenes working on the website. They're doing the things behind the scenes where they don't, where they can avoid that, um, I guess that, I guess that human connection or human contact. And that's the great thing that there are roles for everyone. If you're introverted or extroverted, or no matter what skills that you have or strengths that you have, there is a role to play. And together you bring all your strengths together. And that's what makes it work. So if you're someone who feels like, you know what, I would love to collaborate with another photographer, please, uh, please overcome that fear and just reach out just with even just with a simple getting in touch and thinking, hey, I've been inspired by some other collaborations and just starting a conversation and to ask them, what do you think about collaborations uh, and just starting the conversation. And that's exactly how it began with the Light Collective where it just, I think it was uh, Ignacio Pleasas uh, reaching out to uh, Paul Holan and they began a discussion and they said, hey, Paul, who do you know that we could potentially be interested? Or Ignacio, who do you know? And it, and it grew from there. And so I, uh, I think it's deeply, deeply satisfying uh, to get into a collaboration. I'm in one uh, at the moment with Matt Palmer, Mika Boynton and Chris Saunders. And, uh, you know, we, we've got a meeting in a few days to discuss our uh, a new book project. Uh, I shouldn't say too much more than that. Uh, but <laughs> I leave those conversations uh, with uh, my batteries on full charge. Uh, just yes. that they are, you have amazing, it, it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a collaboration where we're with an outcome in mind. It can just be a collaboration where you're sharing images together and you're growing creatively or you're talking about art, uh, uh, it just, just, it can just be a collaboration uh, to try and grow where, you know, uh, where basically uh, you can all rise uh, together um, and there's mutually win-win, um, I guess, um, benefits for everyone. Yeah, that's been my experience. I've been a part of two collaborations in the last five years. The first one was Nature First. Um, and then the second one was obviously the Natural Landscape Photography Awards, and those were just both born out of having a network of people that I was connected to and then reaching out to people and kind of 
figuring out how you wanted to do it, but I, it's been greatly satisfying and it's a lot of fun and you learn a lot of different skills. And like you said, like I'm not super good at building websites, but Alex Nail knows how to build a website and I'm not super good at making books, but Alex and Tim knows how to make a book and, you know, neither of them are super interested in marketing, but I enjoy marketing. So between the, and then Raja, she's like really into understanding how other competitions work. So between the four of us, it was like a really nice fit. So yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Ricardo, uh, last question I've got for you. Um, who do you recommend for the podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, listening to your podcast over the last four years, I knew this question was uh, coming. So in no particular order, I recommend Adam Williams. Uh, Adam is a, an incredible photographer who you know, I've spoken at length about trying to weave narrative into your work. I think Adam does it incredibly well and he creates images of subjects that are deeply personal to him. And uh, I, whilst he's not a prolific shooter, every image that he does create is a reflection of him and uh, and true to we and true to Adam. Uh, he has inspired me in many ways. Uh, and I think that he would be very interesting to talk to. Paul Holan, uh, right now he's in Iceland and He's just embarking on a five-week adventure in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. Uh, Paul is, Paul's aerials are just absolutely incredible. Three-dimensional, uh, just, and very, very, I guess, very uh, unique compositions. Uh, he's so prolific as well. Uh, I liken him to a bit of a rock star on a shoestring budget. He, uh, he, I, I think that he's had the, the same backpack since the day I've met him, but he just, he gets by on an oily rag, but he just makes it happen. Uh, and he really, really um, is a, a very interesting person, a very eloquent speaker, um, has done extensive work with, uh, with uh, connecting uh, to nature and the mental health benefits of doing so. Uh, he's a workshop leader for many years in that space. And uh, yeah, he, he creates a beautiful work and is a very interesting person to have on. Uh, Chris yeah. Saunders. Yeah, um, Chris. Paul Paul won our aerial category two years ago for NLPA and I've got him coming on in about a month, so. Uh, excellent, I'm yeah. really pleased to hear that. Chris Saunders, uh, Chris's work, well, uh, you, every time I see an aerial image of Chris, I know that it's his before I even see his name uh, appended to it. He has just got this innate ability to create a sense of softness in his images. These images uh, have this deep presence to them. Uh, and I just, yeah, he, he's incredible at his camera craft and he just pours everything of himself into creating the finest possible print and uh, he's a really beautiful man, and I think uh, he would be a, a great guest to have on. Chris is, um, he's a, 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 like Matt, who you uh, interviewed recently, he is also the former Australian Professional Photographer of the Year, uh, two times, uh, and, uh, and so he's, yeah, he's very well respected in our industry. Uh, Ignacio Palacios, well, there, there's no more prolific shooter, I think, uh, than him. Uh, I think he's in Samoa right now. I was just speaking to him a couple of days ago. He's always gallivanting around the country, uh, doing many different uh, tours. Uh, and he's just, uh, yeah, he's just all, he's just a workhorse, always out creating images. Um, and yeah, he's a, an entertaining guy. And we, uh, him and I share many uh, funny stories. Um, and we've, uh, yeah, we've co-led tours before. Our last one being to Mongolia. Uh, yeah, he'd be, he'd provide a lot of entertainment to your show. Perfect. And la and lastly, uh, is Luke Austin. Uh, Luke Austin, uh, was someone who provided a lot of inspiration for me and still to this day. Although of recent times, he's a family man now, and so perhaps he's just taking a bit of a, a pause with his work. 
but I know that he's an artist at heart and will always be an artist at heart and he'll come back to it. Uh, but I've, I've always just uh, admired his work. He's, he, uh, his brand is Soulscapes and I, that nothing could be truer uh, because every image is a reflection of his soul. He really, uh, really immerses everything uh, in his work. And so I uh, highly encourage getting Luke Austin on it sometime. Awesome. Well, Ricardo, this has been super fun and I learned a lot and I'm going to go write some guiding principles after this because I think that's a really fantastic way to give your photography a little bit more direction and keep you going in the right direction with it. Out of anything you talked about, that really, really struck a chord with me. So thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. I'm glad that you got something out of this conversation and hopefully uh, the... uh, I guess the other listeners could also draw something out of it. Yeah, send us your guiding principles you come up with. (laughs) Love it. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Well, thank you to Ricardo for the awesome chat. I am now going to go write my own guiding principles because I think that's an amazing idea that will help me elevate my images. Great stuff, my friend. I would love to hear back from listeners if you decide to do the same. Just shoot me a note and I'd love to see what you've come up with. Maybe send me a DM on Instagram or tag us on social media. Lastly, I wanted to thank our latest supporters of the podcast on Patreon. Patreon is how you, the listener, can pay me for my hard work in producing this show. Thank you to Jens Ober, Kristen Weinhold, and Cornelia Schultz. You have joined the ranks of an elite group of amazing humans who have taken it upon themselves to support this show. Thank you. If you too would like to support the show to keep it going, please visit patreon.com forward slash f-stop and listen. Cheers. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in collaborating with us and listening. See you next week.